Welcome to the Electra International series, Think Like a Leader. We all enjoy hearing another person's success story, and we hope our conversations with leaders from across the electrical construction industry will help spark your interest and creativity in finding ways you can think like a leader. We're here, cool, calm, and collected with one of our favorite leaders, Rick Jamerson, who is president of Jamerson & Balance, which is a Chicago-based electrical construction firm, has joined us today to talk about his leadership role in a company that's expanding as we sit here and talk and doing great things, mostly still in the Midwest, but nevertheless, real leadership involved. So Rick, thank you very much for taking time to be with us today. We really do appreciate it. Thanks, Carolyn. When you think about Jamerson and Bounds, you focus your attention on innovation. Can you share with us some examples of how your leadership skills come into play in order to be innovative for the company? Sure. So we stress to all of our employees in the office and in the field the concept of innovation, it really helps us to think outside the box. And to the, to that point, I've learned to allow our people to think outside the box and bring back ideas that are not mainstream some of the times. And it helps us to really serve our customers well. An example of, of how we deal with that is we had a uh, one of our healthcare customers, a, a major hospital in the area, had a, a fault in a 4,000 amp service that served their critical care areas as well as their uh, operating rooms. And it was a major fault. It did damage to feeders. It did damage to switch gear. And of course, it always happens at two o'clock on a Sunday morning. We brought our teams together and we sat down and threw out ideas. What, what can we do to bring them back? Obviously, the critical loads were on their generator, but the normal loads were not. And we knew that this was going to take weeks to fix and get it back to its normal condition. So our people in the field threw out all kinds of ideas. How can we get them back online temporarily so that they can get off of generators? They're a level one trauma center, which means they had to go on bypass for ambulance service, which is a major deal. And our people came together. I was there. It was one of my customers at the time. The ideas just flowed and some of them made sense. Some of them were a little off the wall. We ended up coming up with an idea that actually allowed us to get the customer back up in less than 24 hours on a temporary basis, of course, while we fix the rest of the system. And, and I don't think that would have ever happened if we wouldn't have allowed our people, if I wouldn't have allowed them to think for themselves and think outside of the box and throw out ideas. I could have walked in and said, do this, do this, do that. And yeah, it probably would have worked. And this turned out to be a much better solution and it saved the customer time and money. Those are the kind of innovation ideas that we strive for. And, and I've learned to kind of step back as the leader and let the people that are working for me and with me come up with ideas. I think it helps them feel like they're part of the solution and not just carrying out orders. Your partnership with Ken Bounds follows directly in the footsteps of both of your fathers, Charles Jamerson and Howard Bowers. 
In that family tradition mode, is it more of a plus or a minus in terms of finding your own style and focus for leadership? Oh, I definitely think it's a plus that we started out as a family business. We're not really related. We aren't related by blood, but we've always considered this a family business. Our fathers considered it a family business. We consider it a family business. And all of our employees consider themselves as part of the family. And, and I think that because of those familial ties that we have, we've been able to, I've learned, I learned from both my father and from Howard. They each gave me pieces of advice, some of which differed. They were very different people, as Ken and I are. And actually, some people think we were switched at birth. Uh, Ken is more like my dad. I'm more like his dad. I think it's been a huge benefit to our company. And I think that it it helps, it's helped me to be able to maybe differentiate a little bit from different pieces of advice. They weren't all coming from one direction. They were coming from two directions, even though we consider ourselves a family. We're how, do you, how do you and Ken divide the leadership responsibilities for running the company? Are there certain areas that are entirely his and other areas that are entirely yours? Or is everything cross-pollinated? Well, as a beekeeper, I can tell you that uh, we're not cross-pollinated. But we Ken is the relationship guy in our business. He is the business development person. He loves to, to deal with customers in that way. I like to deal with customers, but I'm not as outgoing as Ken is. And so he handles that piece of it. He also handles a lot of the operations in the field and in the office that have to do with the construction side of the business. I joined the business in 1980 when I got out of school and I gravitated towards computers and we installed our first computer in 1981 here, which is very early in the curve of construction companies having computers. And, and so I've kind of stayed on that side of the business. I've had, I've had my share of customers that I've dealt with. And unfortunately, as we've gotten larger, I have gravitated away from them and now pretty much handle the business side of the business. Your firm, your company information highlights the firm's position as a healthcare facility specialist. So my question is, is it easier to lead when you can focus your attention and the majority of your efforts on a particular type of construction? Does that hold true? I think it holds true for the jobs that are in healthcare, which is the mainstay of our business. Because that that particular market requires things that other markets don't. You have to be concerned with dust and you have to be concerned with the people in the facility. I mean, you go into a factory and the people that are there are the they work for the employer. We work, we go into a hospital and we're dealing with people that work for the employer, but most of the people in that building are either patients or family members. They don't work for the employer. So we have to take them into account. And so with the fact that we do so much healthcare work, I think that the our electricians that are in the field have that rhythm down. They know what they need to watch out for, no matter which facility they happen to be in. And so I think that is easier to lead people when they're all marching in the same direction. When we are in other places, sometimes we have to ratchet that back a little bit because you don't have to be as careful in a brand new construction site. 
uh, as you do in a hospital. And so we have to sometimes remind our people that they don't need to be perfectly clean. They don't, you know, they do have to watch out for other people, but they don't have to be as concerned about the circumstances of why those people are there. Did your company have to modify or or change or do away with certain things that you had been doing because of the pandemic? Did that have an impact, not just on the way that you work inside the health facility world, but in general? Oh, I think uh, the pandemic has had an effect on everybody as to how they work. Because of a lot of our work was healthcare in the very beginning, they wanted us there to get COVID testing stations set up. And and then a couple of weeks later, it was, we don't want you in the facility. And so that was a a little bit of a mind change there. A lot of our other projects, because in Illinois, the governor uh, deemed construction an essential service. So we never were kicked off of job sites because of the government, there were some owners that didn't want us there. And so we had to, we had to change the way we did business. We had to, you know, personal protection took a huge leap. It's always been important, but it was even more important now with masks and cleanliness with hands and, and all the stuff in the beginning stages that people just didn't have an idea about where the virus was going and how you had to protect yourself. So it did have a huge impact. And, and, and we did have to think about how do we do things differently? How do we do things differently without changing our relationship with our customers? And, and how do we do things differently and still try to make money? Because it's going to cost us more money to do things differently. As the new infrastructure bill seems to be coming into focus and nobody knows until it's actually done, do you anticipate that there will be a lot more work coming to the Chicago area as a consequence of that bill? And will there be a lot for the electrical construction specialty? I think, yes, I think there will be more work. We're probably right now in Chicago, we're probably in the minority in the com- in the country as far as availability of manpower. We still have, you know, in the Chicago Cook County uh, Union, there's still 15 or 1600 people out of work, which is different than other parts of the country where they're trying to find people. I think it's going to have an impact on the industry because I I do believe there's going to be more uh, work available. A lot of it may or may not be directly electrical related, but this infrastructure plan, at least the way it's sitting right now, seems to be very broad. And so there may be things that we don't consider infrastructure that will get funded. So we're hoping that that will, will speed us along to recovery here. To be a good leader, How much do you have to take into consideration the relationships that you need to build with other parts of the construction industry? Do you have to pay more attention to what the MCAA guys are doing or the plumbing guys or sheet metal or whomever? Do you think it's your responsibility as one of the lead subspecialties to take the reins and make it happen? Yes. I think that that electricians in general uh, many times are the the people that drive the jobs that actually make them happen in the field. And so I think we also have to take that role outside of the field as we deal with these other partners because they are our partners. But I don't know that uh, most of them are as organized as we are. And I also feel that we have a 
we, at least in Chicago, we have a really good relationship with our union. And so together with our partners in the union, we are able to affect some changes that maybe some of the other trades can't because they don't have that relationship. So I do think we need to take the lead and we try to take the lead as often as we can. You have been, your company has been a member of the Electric Council for a number of years now. Has that involvement with Electric had an influence on the way you think about being a leader or has it had an influence on your approach to innovation? Oh, for sure. As I attend the Electri meetings, you know, when I first started attending, I was amazed at the difference in the people that are there from the small contractor to the medium contractor to the large contractor to people in other parts of the country uh, that have some of them have the same problems we have here. Some of them have very different problems that we don't have here. And it's been interesting to sit and talk with them at the roundtables and hear their, how they deal with problems. And, and I come back after those meetings and I sit down with my partner and say, Ken, you know, this is what's going on in this part of the country. And here's how they're solving that problem. And I think we need to look in that direction, even though we don't have that problem right now, we might be able to apply that method that they're using to solve our problem. And I'll give you a quick example. The meeting that was just held in Salt Lake City when we visited with a contractor out there in their prefab shop and a couple other parts of their their organization, I brought back something to our prefab manager. I was actually so excited when I got back. I said, you got to come in here and 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 listen to what I saw. And he said, well, I, oh, I never thought of doing it that way. And I said, well, we should think about doing it that way because it was it was a unique, unique way of doing something that I, and we're doing basically the same thing, but we were doing it in a method that took a little bit longer. It was a little less efficient. You still get the same product, but now it's all about efficiency. And so I learned that from that simple walk through. And, and I think that in general, uh, just sitting and talking to other people helps you learn how maybe how they lead as well, um, how they attack challenges. And, and, and so I've been able to bring some of that back and, and it's been super beneficial to us. Now that you saw what Cash Valley was doing in action and you brought that back to your people at your place, do you feel comfortable going back out and contacting Cash Valley and saying, hey, you know what I learned when we were with you at the Electric Council meeting? Can you tell my guys a little bit more about that? Is there that type of back and forth that you see in Electric from one company to another? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I do see that. Um, and I wouldn't hesitate uh, to call uh, someone at Cash Valley to to talk to them about how, they, how they're doing something now or, or how they would attack something. I, I wouldn't hesitate. When you think about Electri moving forward, are there certain initiatives, certain types of programming that you'd say, you know, for the next several years, I think one big thing Electri really better pay attention to is? So I think the biggest challenge that our industry in general has is succession and not just in the owner's suite. Uh, I think the succession in the office in general, in the field, is is a huge issue that I know there's been some white papers done. I know there's been some reports done. But I think that Electri, maybe what Electri should be doing is figuring out how to, what the best practices are for mentoring people and training people. Because mentoring and training are two different things. 
I think that we're losing a lot of talent at the experienced talent, and we're bringing in people that are obviously not as experienced, and and we have to figure out a way to to transfer that knowledge. Um, when you say losing them, are you losing them to other employers, or are you talking about the normal attrition of retirement or getting out of the industry completely? Uh, the normal attrition of retiring. And and we in Chicago, especially from the field side, until just recently, have not been able to, if, if someone retires from the field and starts drawing a pension with the union, they have not been allowed to work anywhere in the industry, uh, which means that guy that's been your superintendent for the last 10 years on your major projects can't retire from the field and move into your office and collect a pension from the union and still use his knowledge. Now that's just changed for us with our, with the recent contract that we just negotiated. So that helps us a lot in that field, but it's still hard to get. I mean, I look at our office and, and even in our, our office, there's a good portion of our people are going to be retiring in, in the next five to seven years. And it takes that long to bring new people up and in, on, in the speed, uh, up to speed. I think that's, that's a, I think that's really a challenge for all contractors. And I think for the smaller contractors, which we are not, we were, but we're not anymore. I think for a smaller contractor that is the owner and, you know, five or six people and, and some people in the field for them to figure out how to, get their equity out of their business, whether they sell it to somebody, pass it on to a family member. I think those are difficult questions. And I know they always have seminars at convention uh, dealing with that, but I think that's going to be the biggest challenge to our industry is how do you replace those people with new people and still be able to serve your customers and keep your business moving forward? You mentioned earlier that you had received advice over the years from both Charles and from Howard. And there may be other people that offered you advice, too, along the way. Is there one piece of advice that you would say, boy, the best advice about leadership that I ever received was? So this will sound a little like a cliche, but probably the best advice I ever got was from my father. Shortly after I started working here, we had a very small office at that point in time. It was only about six years after we started. There was less than five people in the office, and my father and Howard were two of them. He and I went to one of our clients, uh, Michael Reese Hospital, and he wanted to visit with the facility director and see our guys that were on site. So we parked the car and we we walked into the hospital. And as we went into the main part of the hospital, there was a, a gentleman mopping the floor. He looked up and he saw my dad and he said, uh, Charlie, how you doing today? And I was a little curious and my dad answered him back, calling him by name. We walked a little further down the hall and I said, uh, Dad, how, how, do you, how do you know that gentleman? And he said, that guy is here working in this area almost every time I come into the hospital. And he said, I always treat everybody with respect, no matter what their job is. That is something that has stuck with me forever. And to treat people with respect, I think, has formed part of the way I lead people because I treat everybody I deal with with respect. And I think that when you treat people with respect, it's easier to lead them where you want them to go. 
And I, I never forgot that. And I probably never will. And I pass it on to, to my children. Not sure if it's stuck, but I did pass it on to my kids. But that's the one thing. And, and I, you know, it's kind of a, that respect builds into your culture, which builds into how you lead people. So, you know, it's kind of a rolled up thing. It wasn't just, here's how you lead people, son. So let me end by saying, Rick, thank you so much for your time today. I've learned a lot about innovation. I've definitely learned more about how you approach being a leader and the respect that you show your employees, your customers, people around you, people in Electri, people in NECA. You are most definitely one of our leaders. And we thank you for our time, for your time and to our audience today. If you are watching this or if you're listening to it as a podcast, as you're driving to and from a job site, we hope you enjoyed the time with Rick Jamerson. We look forward to another episode very soon. Thank you for joining us for today's Think Like a Leader conversation. You can access every interview in this series on our website, electri.org, or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. This is a remarkable look inside the electrical construction industry, and it's yours for the listening. 